Welcome to the Snapshot Testimony Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Domersant. This is a podcast that explores the pivotal moments that shape a life of faith in Christ. Now, this episode touches on the universal quest to really find a sense of belonging. My guest is Esther Arthur. She's an attorney and a pastor's wife here in Chicago. Growing up in Nigeria, her world was rocked by civil war and then the death of her father. When she moved to the U.S. for school a few years later, Esther did everything she could to try to fit in. The parties, the fashion, even taking on the American accent. She got pretty good at it, too, but something was always missing. I was born to a family of uh, nine children. I had eight siblings. Um, My father was a lawyer. The early part of my life, my mother was a homemaker, um, a privileged homemaker. She had, you know, help, domestic help, and, and she had time with our children. So that was how my life started. Uh, five years after that, the civil war in Nigeria called the Biafran War started. Mm. And so we had to go through that, and that sort of disrupted our lives. Um, which meant we had to evacuate the city where we lived and move to the village to uh, escape the invading army. So from uh, the age of five, uh, I was in the war uh, until I I was 10. Uh, It was a difficult war. And and so at the end of the war, we moved to another city, a different city, where my father had to start up all over again. Uh, the law practice. Uh, he wasn't allowed to go back to the previous city where he was well established. Mm. And three years after that, he died. Oh, wow. Um, that was a, a game changer for me because I was a middle child and I took solace in the fact that I was daddy's girl. Um, yes. He named me after his mother and he took time to check in with me. I was devastated. You know, I remember being brought home and just walking into the house and seeing my mother sprawled on the mat, which is the widows in those in my culture, they'll shave your hair and you'll put on black. And I just remember her looking so helpless and um, just sprawled. And I could see in her eyes hopelessness Yeah, because it was clear that she wouldn't know what to do with nine children. And um, and I was, you know, we're brought up in a Christian home. My parents were Anglican. Um, my father was a lay reader. So I, I knew at least about God enough to ask God, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen yeah. to us? And uh, But amazingly, God stepped in. And mm. somehow my mother using her networks with my father built up a business uh, as a contractor and just it was amazing to watch the transformation and she stepped into the place where she built up a business and used that business to train all of us in the united states pay our school fees um and she just thought she lived for that for me though when my father died i really lost the person i lived for um I love to come home at the end of a term with my grades just to please him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I would rush. I remember I would just run, run, run. And I'm running to come and tell him at least, if not the first in my class, I was the first girl. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, and, that's a big deal. <laughs> and um, I, I believe from then on, I guess my life just lost meaning. Mm. Um, did you Did you think much about faith at that time? Or was it just kind of in the backdrop? Well, you know what? Faith for me at that time was um, a maintenance system. What because, do you mean? Because, you know, it, in other words, you were brought up in a home where you were taught to say uh, uh, Psalm 23, recite Psalm 23. You were taught to recite uh, the Lord's Prayer. So you knew basic things um, about the fact that God existed and that God will help you. Uh, as an Anglican, you know, that was really what I, I knew. You know, I would find times I'd get on my knees to ask God to do things for me. Yes. That was where it ended. Mm-hmm. And um, I even knew that if I was really, if I had a nightmare, <laughs> you know, I would wake up. If I could just say the name of Jesus, I would be fine. I knew that much. But I didn't know about my side of a relationship. I just knew God was there. But yeah. I didn't know anything was expected of me. Um, so I, I just continued life. And at 16, my mother sent me off to the United States because I had, uh, my elder siblings were there and they were attending a small college in, in Connecticut called Quinnipiac College. So I followed my siblings. But as soon as I got there, really, my two oldest siblings returned back to Nigeria because they had finished their education. Here I am in the United States. I wanted to belong, you know. I started yeah. doing all the things I needed to belong. You know, I would go to disco, you know, there were discos in those days. I'd go to yeah. parties and, you know, I just tried everything to belong. I had the accent. I took on the American accent. You know, I did what teenagers, you know, what teenagers were supposed to do in my day. Uh-huh. And I just learned them so I would fit in. And, yeah. uh but that brought another side of life, you know, that, that mm-hmm. and I had no one to really control me. I remember one occasion that was stands out to me. I'd gone to a nightclub with some friends. I looked older than my age. And at that nightclub, you know, I met this nice guy and he was chatting me up and we were talking and dancing. And But well, when it was time to go home, I headed home only to get home and get a phone call from this crazy loony who was just, all he was doing was breathing in the phone. Mm. And I began to cry. And my cry was, why wasn't my mother here to tell me not to go out? Yeah, It's very strange, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was just what I, I was just like, why wasn't there somebody to tell me not to do what I did yeah. that exposed me to that? Mm-hmm. And well, but that's just, that was how my life, you know, the turn my life took. Yeah. And from there, I went on to England to uh, study because when I finished my degree at Quinnipiac College, my family thought I was too young. I was 20, uh, 20, 21. They thought I was too young to go into my degree at Quinnipiac College was international business. And they thought I was too young to go to the big city and work in that field. And they recommended that I study law because my father was a lawyer and they Mm -hmm. thought I had that inclination. 
So I chose a school in England and it was a party school where all oh, the, no. you know, yeah. I, you know, what, what it was really was, it was uh, University of Buckingham, you know, all, all the wealthy people from Europe and from Nigeria. And so there, I happened on the party scene. I showed up as this American girl because, you know, I'd learned the accent and everything. So you were viewed as an American girl now. Yeah, because I had the accent and, you know, and uh, and, huh. and then I, I was also, you know, my my life became now, you know, school during the week, drive down to London for the party scene, you know, fashion. That was all parties and fashion. And, and I remember, you know, I would, I you know, smoke this cigarette. Cig- you know, it was called Saratoga. <laughs> most most of you wouldn't know it. it was long and slim and i i smoke you know it was just in to do and okay. and i would just smoke saratoga and you know at parties and in fact mm. you know not even knowing what i just to fit in so what, what you were looking for what would you say it was that you were looking for was it the, a need for approval or for acceptance or for belonging Yes, a need for belonging. I, okay. You know, I, I was just to find my place, to find yes. my place, which I just didn't know how to find. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I, I hadn't found it. So at that time, I found this elite group of people. I would hang out with them, do all that they would do. And, you know, and, and you know, they accepted me. I was young. I was I was trendy. Remember, I was yes. an American girl in, in London. <laughs> And I did everything to stay trendy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had to go back to Nigeria at the end of uh, my studies because you have to do a year of law school in Nigeria to qualify for the bar. It so happened that I was at law school at the same time with my younger sibling. Her name is Leslie. She didn't come to the States with us. And she studied law as a first degree. So I, 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 I was there with her. And I just, one thing I knew about her is her life stood out. If there was just something, there seemed to be purpose to her life. There seemed to be a sense of agency to her life. And, uh-huh. and I admired her. And of course, probably she looked at me as, you know, this trendy girl. But I admired her so much she didn't know. She was three, almost four years younger than me. And uh, I remained with a trendy set, of course. Parties here, parties there. and But at the same time, I was watching her. Did you ask her a lot, any questions? Like, did you try to put your finger on what is it that she has? No, I, it was clear what she had. What she had that I didn't have was a Lord. Well, so one day I went up to her and I said, look, can I go to church with you on Sunday? And she was all excited because obviously she's been praying for this. In Nigeria, church will go. Their service went from 10 to 3 to 4. Oh, wow. And so about, I had told my friends I'd be ready to go to the beach by 2. So by 2, my friends sent their chauffeur for me to come pick me up at the church. And so I went traipsing out. With my hair dyed red and my stiletto shoes and my slit skirt, my sister was embarrassed to death. She didn't say anything to me, and I just went about my, you know, my beach afternoon. Yeah. Next Saturday, I came to her again, and I said, can I go to church with you? She said, no way. I'm not going to church. If you want to go to church, go find someone else to take you. (laughs) But 
you know, the time I spent, I enjoyed. I began to experience God, you know, in a different way. So yeah. I went and found her friends and I said, can I come to church with you? And they said, sure. And so they took me. And they continued to take me. I stood out like a sore thumb, but they'll let me come with them. But I found something in the Lord, just going there with them on Sundays. Yeah. Before you knew it, I was going with them on uh, the, the midweek service. And they'll just take me. And they didn't judge me. Mm-hmm. And then there came an occasion um, to travel. I believe there was a Kenneth Hagen convention in the States, and the church was going. And I decided to go with them. And I went with them. Again, I stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but it was an amazing experience. I found something that mm. I needed, that my soul needed. I couldn't articulate it in that way. But I just went after the Lord because I, I just, I just, he just, it was what I needed. It was what I was lacking. Wow. And what happened was I didn't go back to Nigeria. And that was a good thing because it separated me from the crowd I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And when I came to the States, in Connecticut, I found my old friends that had become Christians, and I, I became part of a Christian community. And what, for me, was just so amazing was, you know, people get saved and they have this cataclysmic, you know, change and, you know, no, it wasn't me. The Lord just his love drew me. He drew me wow. with his love. He just revealed himself to me in ways that I was able to understand and take. Mm. And, you know, I even, I remember I had a friend, she was the, very mature in the Lord and she would, um, she befriended me and she never told me, oh, don't smoke that cigarette. Don't, you know, she just befriended me. And I remember one day, I thought I had to have a cigarette after a meal. And, you know, because that was what others did. Yeah. And I remember one day, and I, I just, it didn't make any sense. It just didn't make any sense. I didn't, and I never went back to it again. That's the way the Lord, he drew me with his love. He wow. drew me with his love. And that is how he's taken me every step of the way. I've had to ask the Lord to help me understand the things. I, I knew I didn't know how to pray. And I, I wasn't talking about pray like, you know, prayer warriors or anything. I just didn't know how to pray. Mm-hmm. I remember the room I was in in Staten Island. And I said, Lord, please teach me how to pray. You know, I remember even saying to the Lord, you know, there's so, just, there are things I accepted because I was supposed to, that's what the word said, but they weren't real to me. Yeah. And I remember asking the Lord, I said, Lord, make my, make my walk to, with you real. And you know, Ali, I would look back and I would see how he would do that for me. How did he answer some of those prayers? Like, how would you he, describe I, it? I don't know. All I know is that when I look back, yeah. I would see that he had done exactly that. Hmm. And, and so it's kept my walk with the Lord real. And it's, you know, it, it's interesting. People 
think that, oh, they have to get it all together before they get saved. No, no. It was it was in the Lord that I started learning that it's even possible to get it together. And all the things began to just fall off, fall off, fall off. And they're continuing to fall off. For me, I love to see, encourage uh, new believers not to, not to pretend it, not to force it, but just to maintain an organic relationship with the Lord where you go with him with your questions. You, he will answer. In his word, he will teach you. In, you know, in his, even by the things around you, he will speak to you. That's, that's my story. I've, I've lived faith and I continue to live faith. Now you did you you found your place of belonging because that it sounds yes. like from so many aspects of your story from losing your father from kind of running to uh, going to another country constantly trying to find where you were where you belonged yes. you found that in the Lord in the Lord you know the Lord doesn't take things from you to leave you empty-handed and he took all that from me separated me from the life I knew and led me and connected me to an amazing young man. A re- and, and you know, it's, and I'm, when I say amazing, I mean it. You, a man I would not, never even have co- considered in those days, or who is everything that I would need as a, a mate. In November, we will be married 26 years. And that's Pastor Tim, uh, yes. Chicago Tabernacle. That's, you know, it's that's the, the, the blessing of my life, um, and that's the Lord's reward. All those, all those things I thought I needed to be complete, he allowed me to find completion in him, and then he, he added that to me. You know, my son, my husband, my son, um, I have a, an amazing son. That it, he is also a gift, a gift from God. Snapshot Testimony is a Moody Radio podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, can you take a minute to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform? Your feedback is so vital to the growth of a podcast. And I really like hearing from you. I'm your host, Ali Domersant, and together we're sharing the moments that shape a life of faith in Christ.